It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. And on the podcast today, I am so excited to to welcome Quinn Calder. So Quinn is married to his wife, Lara. They have four kids, one and a half grandkids. I'm assuming that means there's a bun in the oven. Is that right? Quinn is a baby on the way. And Quinn has been teaching seminary for over 25 years, seminary and institute, and loves it. He is also a photographer and has been published in magazines, and his work has been in display in many homes and houses. And in, in the Utah area or throughout the country, Quinn? Yeah, a little bit of both, but mainly Utah, I, 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 the Western. I was just actually, I was the KSL Weekly winner, and I'm up for the, you know, I'm on social media right now to be voted in for the monthly winner of August. So No way, that is so awesome. I sent yeah. in a picture the other day to KSL of the lightning storm that was here in Lehigh mm-hmm. just from my phone. It wasn't anything professional, but it was I caught it like at just the perfect moment. So. Wasn't that an amazing storm? That's exactly what I did too. Mine's a, no mine's a picture way. of a lightning strike. Oh my goodness. (gasps) I'm excited (laughs) to check it out. And you are also an avid dirt biker. And we were just talking a little bit before this podcast about being able to be in the mountains and use your Mm -hmm. dirt bike to take pictures. Like you you get on your bike and you ride 30, 40 miles so Uh you can take pictures. So how do you keep your camera safe? Just a backpack or has it ever fallen off? <laughs> yes, I've wiped out with my camera and I've had to get my camera repaired. That happens from time to time, but I usually try to, I know my skill level and I usually try to go to the simpler places. Moto photo is what I call it. I moto photo, photo, that is awesome. <laughs> moto photo. It's, it's been fun. It's been a great uh, marriage. I went, and really what it was when I say marriage, it's photos and uh, motorbiking, but also it's midway. And I'm not tooting my horn here, but when I came here to the Wasatch back, it really brought out a lot of things in me that I knew were there, but I just, this has been a wonderful place for us. So that is so wonderful. Isn't it amazing how your surroundings can mm-hmm. bring out certain aspects of your personality and talent and yeah. just yeah. according to where you live and it's your spirits. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is where I want to be. Yeah. This is where I can I can help you pursue some amazing things. My patriarchal blessing talks about talents and mm-hmm. it says it talked when I was 14, when I got it and my parents told our patriarch, is there anything specific you want me to fast about? And they said, well, she's a singer and she loves music and she might want to pursue that someday. And <laughs> not saying you have to say, oh, you're going to be famous someday or anything, but maybe if you could think about pursuing talents or ways that she could, you know, yeah. improve on the gifts Heavenly Father has given her. And so he, it was interesting. It, it he, it talks about those talents. And then it says, you have other talents, which are latent within you continue to examine and search within yourself. And that has been so fun throughout my life (laughs) to continue to examine and things that I thought I had no idea. I liked doing a Mm -hmm. podcast or I had no idea. I loved writing or I had no idea. Like painting has been something fun. Like all these little things I I started during COVID painting my boys faces just for fun. I realized like, wow, I love painting faces. I've been to their school. I've done it for <laughs> friends. I've done it for Halloween stuff. Like it's been so fun, just little things like that. So it's, I feel like we, we never reach yeah. the point where we're like, and now we've discovered it all. There's always something yeah. new we can learn about yeah. ourselves. Right. Like it is stuff that I've been doing that I, that I identify with now would not have been what I identified with when I was your age. Yeah, for you sure. Know. 
So that's yeah, exciting. Life is a journey, and it's it is. You got a lot. We've got a lot to look forward to. Life is a journey. That's true. We do have a lot to look forward to. Well, you have been so inspiring teaching seminary for 25 years. Is there an age group specifically that you've been taught more than the others or just high school in general? No, I, it's every high school I've been at, we have freshmen through pretty much freshmen through seniors, except for some high schools that only do sophomore through seniors. But yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed teaching uh, these kids, all of them. It's been wonderful. And you told me during, again, our little pre-podcast conversation that you enjoy mm-hmm. the edgier kids. You enjoy yeah, I, the I, kids that aren't I, yeah. the perfect ones. Yeah, that, that, that you have, that you feel like, okay, they need mm-hmm. to be seen. They need to be loved. They have something right. to offer. And what opened that up to me more than anything was I used to teach out at Copper Hills High School. And close to Copper Hills High School is uh, the Boys Ranch out there at, uh, I believe it's called Westridge Academy. And uh, they, the kids are sent there to overcome their addictions and they're quite troubled. And I went into a class of my class there that I taught, and I taught one class every other day. It, it, it had about uh, six to eight kids in it. It was smaller, but man, these kids would bring up serious stuff like addiction issues or struggling with parents who have committed adultery and they and you know as a and i and these kids were really difficult to teach i mean they were like you know they were thinking every everything turned into a lecture on marijuana because that's all they were thinking of and i just found i, I went out as i bought there i thought these kids are really they really need this and and as i've gone throughout my career i have found i enjoy teaching kids that well, I feel like you're doing something. Not that teaching a return missionary is not great. And they want to know too. And most people want to know. But I just, for me, if you can work with a kid, a young man or a young woman that is struggling, it's in the trenches of being a teenager. That's much more satisfying to me. And, and I love all of my celestial Susies and, and my celestial young men too. They're just really easy to teach. They make class wonderful. But it's when you overcome those difficult, those kids that sit down in your chair and bring it, whatever, what do you, what do you got, you know? And then when yeah. they let you in, it's like peeling an onion back. And once you get to know them, it's, you're really great. And, and you've got some experiences that have maybe brought about this. And let's just talk about it. And I love you as you are. And you're great as you are. Let's work with who you are and not, you know, you don't have to wear a suit and tie to impress me kind of thought. Right. Well, and probably what you love so much about that is just reaffirming that there is something good about everyone. There is yeah. something to be learned and, and mm-hmm. loved with everyone that it, it's just like you said, when you peel back those layers, we all have something to offer. And oftentimes you just find, oh my goodness, the resilience and determination of these kids, even yep. if it seems like they've completely given up. Wow. Look what they've got through to yeah. get where they are. Look at yeah. the fight in these kids and it's humbling to be with them. They are amazing. So yeah, they're good kids. Do you, are, are you still an active seminary teacher? Do you teach yeah. now? I, I used to be a principal and I've, like I say, I taught Institute and, and recently done that, but I'm teaching six classes now and uh, every other day, you know, we're not, but, and it's wonderful. I, I wouldn't rather be anywhere else. I love being in a classroom, you know, 30 kids each hour and, and I just love being with them. So it's been a wonderful career. That is amazing. And how fun that you get to teach, but also teach, you know, spiritual things and and be uplifted, you know, all day long Mm -hmm. with what you're teaching. So I want to know, Quinn, what is a question you get asked frequently? What what is one of the questions you get asked the most (laughs) from the kids? A why question or a how come question? Tell me why this is happening or tell me why it's this way. What have you been getting more now as a seminary teacher? 
That's a really good question. There's a lot of questions surrounding the family proclamation, as you can probably tell. And the, the there's a lot of questions. Probably the, I don't know if this is a question they ask, but it's something that I sense and something they have told me. They're trying to figure out who they are and where they fit in all of this. And so, you know, you bring the plan of salvation and, and, and the covenants, uh, you bring all that to them. But they're really just trying to, they want to know they're worth something. They And some of them express that openly, but they want to know that they're valuable as they are. I don't know how to express this, but my biggest, I wish I could get, could give each of them a, a big dose of self-esteem. Yes. Um, and an understanding of where they fit in their heavenly father's plan. I know that's just so simple. If they yeah. could see that they're children of their father in heaven and that, and that they are loved children of, of heavenly parents, that's just so valuable, but they're being, they're, they're going through more than I think I ever went through it. And they just, yeah, there's a lot being thrown at them right now. And so they do have a lot of questions surrounding the family. There's also a lot of questions surrounding more particularly within that family marriage. And yeah, it's just an interesting time to, to teach. And it's an important time, but it's also a delicate time. They're very sensitive to LGBTQ plus matters and right, it's a pretty hot topic. So it is a yeah. pretty hot topic. And so how do you address something like that with making them, of course, number one, feel loved and they are of worth and they do yeah. have a purpose and then striking that balance of teaching church principles and, and well, truth, what we believe. Sim- simply stated, you just follow the Holy Ghost and and you have to be really uh, very sensitive and tread lightly and delicately because there's a lot of, you know, you don't want to offend. Yeah. You, you used to go, I used to go in and, and, you know, just teach, well, that's the way it is. Deal with yeah. it. There, there have been so many, I'm finding the more I learn about, and I used to teach the Institute class last year. I, I taught it on the family proclamation and I'm so grateful for that document and all the truths that it does teach. But I have learned that, the, that each young person and each question, particularly concerning the family proclamation and LGBTQ stuff, I, I should, LBGTQ plus is complicated. It's, it's not as simple as we of the older generation would like to think it is. It's usually not just, uh, it's very complicated and they're dealing with, you know, they've got a sister or a sibling that is struggling with gender identity or transgender issues. And there are these great people that they love. And then they come to an LDS teaching setting where, you know, if we openly condemn and judge, it can be a problem. And so I've just learned to to be loving regardless and just sensitive and realize that it is complicated. And, and then, you know, and you address the doctrine plainly, but sensitively, you have to be really careful because you don't want to push them away. You want to, we should never use the doctrine of our church as a, you know, as a divisive issue. And when I sense that's taking place, I back off and I address, you know, you build on similar foundations and you go with it and you just, there will be a time. And we, and you know what? They know it anyway. They don't need, they know the doctrine. Right. They know it. And, and it, it is a very sensitive time, like you said, and there are so many questions and, and, and opinions and 
people are posting things and it's, what do I think? And what's real and what's true and what's okay. That's, you know, I I believe that, but then what if you do have a family member that that's struggling with that or that isn't even struggling with it, but that are openly happy about this is how I am. It's like the heavenly father made me and, and you're the one struggling with accepting that. And and it is very difficult to be, to navigate those waters. And I just, I sent all my nieces a text the other day and I just said, I love you. Stay close mm-hmm. to Heavenly Father. Pray to him and he's going to help you because I just can't imagine being yeah. a young woman coming of age right now. Yeah. I I right. feel like I had set my foundation and my testimony, you know, 20 years right. ago and as a 16, 17-year-old girl and now when I question things or struggle with things or I I still have that foundation of oh but I know because of I know because of all these things and this is a sure foundation for me. But for right. someone that's coming of age right now, I feel like it's a lot shakier and it's it, there's right. a lot more gray area. And it's every year I just think, every six months, I just think, I'm so grateful for General Conference coming up. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Please further light and knowledge. And I do, I feel like it's a little bit more, a little bit more, line upon line, precept yeah. upon precept. And okay, what now? Okay, what are you going to say now? Oh my gosh, right. you know, COVID. What are they going to say about that? Yeah. You know, there's always something <laughs> big and giant that's happening yeah. that you're like, what are you going to say about this? I just, I, I think about my own son who will be 13 and in, in seventh grade in December and all the things he's dealing with and questions that he has. And sometimes I think he'll ask me these questions and I'm like, I had no idea you were even thinking about that or that yeah. is blows my mind. And and he asked me the other day and he said, so he said, how do we know that people aren't just, they aren't just saying, they aren't just saying things to make us feel good. Like when you die, you'll go to heaven and heavenly father loves you. And he said, Mm -hmm. how do you know that's not just something? And he said, I believe in heaven and I I believe the prophets and he's the deacon's quorum president. He's a wonderful, Mm -hmm. strong, reads the scriptures every night. I mean, that celestial Sammy. And, but he sometimes says, but how do we know it's just not all just to make us feel good? Like, how does anyone ever really know? And I'm like, oh my goodness, let me think about that. Like that, mm-hmm. how do you know? He's no one that's lived on earth has ever died. So how do we, how do we know? And I'm like, oh my goodness, how do you we have, know? You have such a wonderful journey in front of you with him. It sounds like it's going to be great. I There's, I, I, I'd like to add just one more thing. Yes, please. Uh, we really encourage these kids to be patient and to activate, you know, with when difficult questions arise. We don't say, you know, pray and get your own answer. We will say we don't fully, you know, let me think about that. Can we go home and do you want to really know? And then we go try to learn with them, particularly on issues we don't fully understand. Let's go and read about it here. Here's a talk. Let's read it together. And then, you know, we try to examine these things in an eternal perspective. And then we always rely on on divine, you know, on good sources. But the the day of the seminary teacher and institute teacher just saying, being the know-it-all is over. Yeah, yeah. These kids, these kids, they can see through the uh, quick, short, simple answers. So I found probably more than anything, listening to them with compassion and then just encouraging them to act in faith. Okay, let's work through this together. And then working through it together has, has yeah. been a wonderful, and it, it teaches both of you, which is what we learned from the Absolutely, Japanese. yes, that both yeah. of you can learn together. And it does make them think, because none of, the truth is, I mean, 
even President Nelson, I I think he has prob probably most of the answers. I mean, you know, yeah, if there's yeah. any man on earth that probably <laughs> knows it all, that's him. Yeah. And and I put my full trust and faith in him. And whenever I'm yeah. like, I don't know, I think, okay, let's follow the prophet, follow the prophet. It does seem very right. simple. And read your scriptures and let's dive it the simple things, but those are the things that are going to keep us safe. But I love that it's not, well, yeah, I this is the way it is, or listen to me that right, they, right. I, it, it almost makes them I think it would give them more comfort to know even my seminary teacher who I look up to and respect so much, even my mom who I love and look up to and has a strong testimony, even they don't know. And so it's okay yeah. not to know yeah. and to continue learning. I think that's actually yeah. reassuring instead of you don't know. And it, yeah. it's actually reassuring. Well, even you don't, and even you can still learn and grow. But no, I love that. I love that. It's just, it's step-by-step step and we all are learning and we're all growing. And as we receive new revelations and new insight to sure. things. I mean, I, I think about some of the, you know, the pioneers when they're like, okay, now we're not doing polygamy anymore. And all those adults are like, wait, what, why, how, and yeah. all that yeah. transition. And then, you know, I'm, I'm still struggling with two hour church. I think we ought to have four two hour church. I mean, think about all the changes just and an eight <laughs> and, and 18 year old boys going on missions. I'm like, wait, I only have five years with him instead of six, you know, yeah, the, I mean, the, they're still in diapers when we're sending them out. What's the deal? These kids are Seriously, getting younger. And younger. <laughs> they're babies. But there are so many. We're, I think Heavenly Father, he wants us to be, he wants us to trust him and trust his prophets and, and be adaptable because it's like there are certain things that doctrine is doctrine and truth is truth. And as we read in Doctrine and Covenants in section 93, it's it, it truth is it's in its own sphere. It cannot be acted upon. Right. It cannot be changed. Heavenly Father placed it. This is truth and this won't change. But there are uh, blacks getting the priesthood. How happy of a day was that? How incredible was that? Mm -hmm. How grateful mm -hmm. we were for that further light and right. knowledge. And like I said, with polygamy in the earlier days and no longer practicing that and two-hour church and younger missions. And mm -hmm. I mean, there are so many things that were that now have been changed and that are different. And so things can, I guess, you know, none of us really know what Heavenly Father's plan is, but, and that's why I think following the prophet and the apostles is so important because they will tell us they won't lead us astray. But even that, as we know now, even that has proven to be a little controversial and, and difficult with people thinking, well, you know, I can just get my own revelation and I, I can just understand for myself. And at what point did you is it blind faith or is it just faith following yeah. the prophets and apostles? What it's, What is your take on that? I think we live in a marvelous time. <laughs> Here I am walking the neutral boundary. My take is I think the prophets have recently been pushing very hard to hear him. And in this, I mean, it has been, it's more important now than ever to learn to receive answers to our own prayers in this post-COVID environment, in this, you know, with all this, there, we just need to act in faith. Yes. And, and like you've, you've said, follow what we know, hang on dearly to what we know, and follow the prophet's counsel and just move forward. Let me be on, I'm going to be completely transparent. Karen. I, this past week, I have a sister, like I said, I have a sister that's gay this past week, and I don't know when this is going to broadcast. Elder Holland gave his talk at BYU. And yes. so that, that upset a lot of people. And did you read um, and, and or listen to that talk? Yes. I Well, and that's, you go to social media and it's just, it's on fire. It is. With anger. It's venom. And particularly Twitter, 
and I read a few things and I thought, well, I'm, you go to the source. So you go to what Elder Holland said and you put it in context. You say, Elder Holland was at BYU who was speaking to BYU faculty. That's important. That's um, important. Elder, you're right. It is. And then, and you got to examine it from the plan of salvation. And if you listen to his whole talk, it, you know, he just loves us and he loves the BYU faculty. And, and I think and he that's knew a key. He was, you listen, yeah. how he says what he says and it right. changes. Right. Right. And then people go to the internet and it gets kind of quagmired down and muddied a little. Yeah. I would, and then, you know, it, it, and, and I've talked to my students about this recently, president Nelson, you know, encouraged everybody to get vaccinated and wear masks. And that also seems to be controversial with a lot of people here in Utah. And yes. so there's a lot of people that are really working their way through this. And so let me, you know, I, I, I used to be a lot more well people a lot of people have likened that to well just look at the serpent on the staff you know all you got to do is just go get vaccinated and look at the serpent but i have found as i've talked to people and heard stories i have gained a, a greater appreciation or empathy it's complicated and so i go back to what the president of the church and the prophets have been teaching for a, an extended period of time and that is we've got to learn to hear him we have got to receive it. And so this comes back to your 12 year old son. Well, how does he know? And all these questions that are wonderful questions. I think that's part of, of the, the training that God is giving us in his life that help us to receive answers for ourselves so that we can have confidence when we go into conference, so that we can have confidence when we stand before the Lord and say, hey, this is what President Nelson said. It may go against my political beliefs. I need help. And then approaching God with the humility and, and the understanding and the willingness to obey the answers that come at that point, I think will be yes. probably extreme, well, more important. You know, you mentioned blind faith or faith. I, I think faith, initially, you have to just kind of act in faith. But there comes a point where that faith can turn into, you know, you know what you're supposed to do because of what's happened to you personally and yes. what you've been through. And, and then it becomes more valuable, more meaningful, particularly because you've had to wrestle and, and earn the wrestling, stealing a turn from the book of Acts, And you've had to earn and these I answers and then it becomes extremely example. more meaningful. Yes. So that's what I would say to that question. Great question, by the way. I, I, well, I think that's a great answer. And I love that you bring up Enos's struggle. I love that story of wrestling with the Lord. And we've talked a lot yeah. about that with my boys. My boys love to wrestle. And, you know, one... <laughs> One overtakes another. It's, 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 I'm in charge, no, I'm in. So he's wrestling with, wait, this is my will. And then, ah, but right. you told me to do this. And it's back right, and forth. Right. And, and with what my dad told me, my dad, right. you know, he's thinking about what his dad said and, and all those words. And then, and it wasn't just, you know, 10 minutes later, the Lord appeared. It was hours and, and, and a day yeah. and all through the night. And, and sometimes our days and nights, it, it will take longer. But right. I, add my testimony to yours that when we take our fight to the Lord and, and, and our wrestle mm -hmm. that he's, he can take that on. And sometimes I will be honest and transparent. Sometimes my prayers are maybe not as reverent as they should be. Maybe sometimes my prayers are more, I'll start out and say, heavenly father, I am mad. I am. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm mad, but I am mad. And, and here's why, and please help me not to be, but this is why I'm angry and this is what I'm feeling. And I'm so frustrated and I'll talk with him for a while and express, and I think he wants us to do that. He wants us to come to him. He knows our hearts. He knows our emotions. He knows that. And it's okay to approach him in all of our feelings and emotions, not just when we feel yeah. the most righteous and maybe especially when we don't.
Right. I have found great therapy in that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I yeah, sometimes and it's good to express everything to your father in heaven and he's a, he's a willing, he's listened very every time. Yeah. And the, sometimes so. there's a lot of, he hears all, he, even the ugly prayers, he hears mm-hmm. all the prayers and sometimes that's all I have to offer are the ugly <laughs> prayers. And, but it's pray always ugly, happy, beautiful, grateful, pray always. I I would love to talk to you on the subject of maybe going through ugly times and the ugly prayers. You have had an experience with a a foreign exchange student, and I don't know much about it, but I know that you've done a fireside for our turtle house and, and have talked a little bit about that. And I would love to hear about that experience for you, particularly about losing someone in grief and when life doesn't go as planned. And and when you are asking Heavenly Father, why? There's a lot of times I think we feel like when we do what's right and when we follow the prophet, things all, they all work out. And while I do believe that in the end, they always do. And that is true in the meantime, and maybe in a lifetime, they might not. And I'd love to hear your experience firsthand with that. If you'd be willing to share Quinn. Yes. Thank you, Carmen. Yeah. As I was telling you earlier, this has been probably the most difficult thing we experienced in our life. I've in, in, uh, 2017 at this exact same time of year, we welcomed into our home, uh, a young lady, her name was Anna Kujur and she was from the, the, the country of Estonia and she was a little unique when it comes to foreign exchange students. Um, she had requested to have an experience with an LDS family. She was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and she was uh, a good member in good standing. And she wanted to have an experience in America with an LDS family. And we teaching seminary, you know, me being a seminary teacher, are a woman who was in charge of finding houses for these foreign exchange students approached us, and it felt right. And we had talked of things like this before. We have been very blessed to have a a sizable home in a a good neighborhood. And our children were going on missions and leaving us a little extra space. And so we thought this is the perfect time. And so we welcomed her into our home. And she came became a very good part of our, our family to the point where it felt like we had another teenager in the home. We were dealing with teenage things here and there. And, you know, can I, can I do this? Can I do that? And no, yes. And it became, we became very much parents to her and she became very much a daughter to us. And the experience was, you know, and it had its ups and downs. There was some rough things that we had to go through, but, you know, and we were just feeling like we were getting through those things. And, and she was starting to make a, a lot of friends at the high school. And she had just gotten back from a, a week camp with some of the, her, her classmates and traction was just beginning to take place. And that was around March of 2018. And, and everything was, oh, and you know what she did for us? She really made us live the gospel a lot better. She would encourage us to go to the temple. And so we started doing these and doing things we never did. We'd go to the temple once a month and they would be different temples because she wanted to see them all. And, and, and here in Utah, we take that for granted. And yeah. she was like, let's go get this all in while I'm here. Oh, and by the way, we need to go to Disneyland when we're done with all of them in Utah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the, the Mormon temple too. Right. And, and so for we had sure. all these goals. Right. We had all these goals uh, of, of making this experience good for her. And it was, we were becoming very involved with her and it was just this wonderful experience. And out of the blue, well, she was kind of frail. She would be sick from time to time. And, but there was one time right before state conference, it was a Saturday after this week of being with friends. She, she wasn't feeling well. 
and you know we took care of her that night and you know my wife put her down and you know kind of tucked her in and made sure that she was taken care of and and then she said would it be okay if i did not go to conference in the morning i just don't i don't feel well and so sure that's fine and so we woke up the next day and didn't think anything of it we went to conference and and at 10 we you know at 10 30 we came back at 12 30 and it wasn't unusual for her to she didn't like what we ate here in america she and so we were you know there's this struggle finding out what she wouldn't and so she would often eat when we weren't in our home she, she would eat behind our backs and and then she would go back to her room and and you know after a couple of hours after conference we hadn't seen her and so i thought i better go in and check on her just we hadn't seen her all day yeah. And as I went in, as I went in, I could tell that, that, that things weren't right in her room. And I'm like, what, what's happened here? And there, there were signs that, you know, she had thrown up and I thought, is she okay? And I looked down on the ground next to her bed on the far side of the room. I looked down and I saw her feet facing down. And again, I thought, this is unusual. And I, and I always kept a little distance because I'm a man and she's a woman and I didn't want to come across. So I went in there gently and I'm like, Annika, are you okay? Annika. And I asked for her a couple of times and she didn't respond. And so finally I, I got down and, and I grabbed her leg. And it was cold. And I, I shook her body and I said, Annika. And she didn't respond even then. And it appeared to me as if rigor mortis had set in. But I, at the time, you don't think that at all. You don't think that anything like this is going to happen out of the blue. You're, not, you're never prepared for something like that. And so my daughter, and this is the biggest regret that I have. Uh, my daughter is, she wanted to be, she wants to go into the medical field. And she knew, and I wanted her there. And I said, you know, I called for my children. And my wife said at a choir, you know, practice. And so it was just me and my, my two kids who were living in the home at the time. We started dealing with, you know, trying to find out what was going on. She wasn't responding. And I immediately called 911 and, you know, gave them the, you know, she's not responding. Her, she's cold and, and her, her leg was white and I, I don't think she's breathing. And then my wife came home and they go in there and we try to resuscitate her. And that was, and a lot of emotions start surfacing and seven and a half minutes into this and I, I knew every minute and every second that was happening because that's when the first responders come in and thank god for first responders and people who show up under these stressful situations and and they came in and they you know they excused us and they took over and i was just sitting there on the front porch and you know in shock there's no question i was in shock at this time Yes. Uh, we're just asking what has happened here? What's going on? Yeah. And they come out and he was in our ward. I believe, I think it was Josh that said, you have a bishop or a clergyman you can call. He used the word clergy. And I was so much in shock. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Yeah. And he goes, do you have a, a stake president or a bishop you can call? She's not with us anymore. And I'm like, what? And we're so, this doesn't happen. Things like this don't happen. And so yeah. we were blown away with this news that she had died and they had done everything she could to no avail and that she was gone. And again, you're in disbelief. And I said, I have a bishop and I, you know, and I have his number and I'm pretty good friends with the state president. And I immediately called both of them and to their, they were there within, they were there very quickly. I want to say within three minutes, they were right there and they were dealing with us uh, and they were crying with us. And, and uh, a lot of things happened over the next few, over the next hour, we were in shock. There's no question that we just 
couldn't believe what was happening. And, and my daughter, my daughter felt so horrible that she threw up at the time. I, we were kind of in the stupor. Our state president had us up to his house and fed us dinner. And we didn't want to, you know, it was, we were in no mood. We go in a group of people that are just going through life. And here we are not wanting to tell a soul. We didn't. In fact, at the encouragement of our uh, the police that we were dealing with, they said, please don't tell anybody. If the press gets a hold of this, it could kind of go crazy. And, and, and then he said, but be ready for it because it likely will happen. And so we were just kind of laying low. We're trying to lay low. And then we're at this house where there's all these people just being people. And we've got all this weighing on our, our shoulders. And, and we made it through that. And then we we were expecting to, I was expecting to go home after uh, about a couple hours with, with, as they removed the body. I was expecting to go home and find, you know, have to deal with, you know, the, the indications of death, like the throw up and the, the messy bed. And our young women's president was contacted and her husband was a medical doctor. They came in and they cleaned up the entire room. Oh. <laughs> and, and I will value those people for that simple act of service. She came in and and they cleaned up the room. We didn't have to deal with anything. They left us a fruit basket. And from that instant, we called the bishop. People just came flooding in, trying to help. Latter-day Saints don't know what to do, so they often make food. And we yes. were by our state president that night. And we had food over the next week to last us for the next three months. Because that's just the way we give. Yes. And, um, this was an overwhelming experience for us. My testimony of a ward family grew immensely. People who say that an organized religion is, you know, it's, it's people that talk down, talk that down, haven't been through a place where they need help and, yes. and where a, a, a ward family gathers around you and just takes care of you. And we felt very well taken care of, but back to Annika and I was terrified. What do we do? We've got to reach out to her father and graciously the police, we were working with Jared Rigby's the sheriff here in Wasatch County. He called these people in Estonia and, and he took that, that burden off of our shoulders. And then the thing that really terrified me was as any parent would do, they immediately book a flight and they were coming from right where they were going to be. This was on Sunday and they were going to be in our place that Wednesday night. And so I lived in just terror. I made a promise to this man that I would take good care of his daughter. Yes. And, and then this happened. And so anyway, that was pretty scary. And, and they were so good. They came and they didn't have any They just treated us very graciously. They were sorry that this had happened. We were sorry it happened. And, and so th through all of these questions are starting to surface. What happened? Yes. And so the initial autopsy, they do a, a screening. And because she was a foreign exchange student, there was a thorough autopsy, everything. This was an international affair. And yes. so... We, we opened our home to these wonderful first responders and they asked us all kinds of questions. And then they did all kinds of screenings on Annika's body. And the initial 24 hour autopsy, you know, I was expecting to hear there was an aneurysm, the appendix broke or, you know, they, I, like I mentioned, I found throw up on scene and, and that she had asphyxiated on something that was caught yes. in the throat or something. But all of that was ruled out. And we were so confused. The initial, you know, things that happened to young kids that caused them to pass away were ruled out. And so we were left with this question, well, why and how and what? And so what they do at this point 
and I wasn't familiar with this at the time, but they start looking at her tissue under microscopes. And so they took all these, you know, and they know what they're doing and they started probing and, and looking, you know, I don't know how they swab and all these different things. And they look for answers under a microscope. And that took, we were told that would take three months, which was excruciating, but it, it ended up taking six months. Oh my goodness. And, and when the, that autopsy came back, they declared that she died of natural causes. And that really confused me because for, you know, 17 year old kids just don't die. No, of an, of a natural cause. Yeah. What would that even be? It and, and they determined that it, it was probably a bacteria, but to me, and, and, but they said that bacteria takes a long time to progress. And basically, and I'm, I'm not a, a, a medical technician are, again, I was working a lot with our local sheriff here who read the autopsy and read it to me. And it meant, and I'm like, what was that? And he goes, this is maybe God just, you know, needed her at this time. And that's not an easy answer for me to take. My wife was much more open to that. And, and I really, it wasn't like we've been talking before. I, I have to work through things. Yeah. You know, I need, I wish I could be one of those people that, you know, this is just the, the answer. Yeah. But I have to process and work through it. And so I'm in the middle of processing and working through it. And we had this wonderful experience of someone that we, before our ward was split, we shared it with the Tolis family. And Sadie Tolis is a return missionary from Estonia. And she was giving her homecoming address. And she, at the exact same time Annika passed away, Sadie Tolis from Midway, a, a former ward member of ours, was serving in her ward. And so she was there to help her young women's organization kind of handle the blow. And Sadie cried with these girls and they all kind of grieved together over Annika's passing. And Sadie, this was, you know, again, about six or seven months later, came home and she talked to us about that experience there. And then she said this, and this just blew me away. And this is what my wife was and others have been trying to tell me as I'm processing through all this. She said, as we were on our missions, we worked hard in Tallinn and Tallinn is, 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 is the, the capital of Estonia. She said, nothing really happened until Annika died. After Annika died, I know she was helping us on the other side of the veil because then we started to see all the success that we hadn't seen before. And she wow. said this in her homecoming talk, and I just burst into tears because it had validity to what people had been trying to tell us. And But that experience has taught me so much when it comes to the plan of salvation and how our Father in Heaven works. And I still struggle with it. As I mentioned earlier, I I don't know why we were selected out of all the family. She could have gone to or chose to go to that she came to ours. And I, I think there's just many lessons that we needed to learn. But I, I do know this, that God does things for a reason. And I'm by no means, uh, Carmen, you speak to a lot of people on your podcast. This experience by no means is particular. There's people out there who have gone through harder things. I My heart aches. <laughs> I'm sorry. It aches Aww. for her parents. It aches for her parents. Yes. Yes. And I feel guilty. <laughs> I've trusted with this girl. I made a promise to her father and her mother that we would take care of her. And then she's taken. Yes. And it just, how do you repair something like that? How do you, and, and the, the answer is there's, you can't, mm -hmm. you just got to trust that the Lord knows what he's doing. And, We've relied on that planet salvation a great deal, and I'd do anything to help them get their daughter back, but you can't. And you just have to look forward and move forward and 
And I, I, I just ache for any parent that has to bury a child after seeing what I've seen and, and being as close to it as I have. It would, anyway, I'm so grateful that they were kind to us. And I'm sure they've made, they have every right to be upset at us in America and all. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's my experience with Annika. And, and I, I need to find a piece of some tissue here. I don't have tissue, tissue Quinn. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. What a... Anyway, what a difficult, heavy, sad thing. And, and it's all the experiences that you had with her. I mean, she, she needed those. That's why she came. She needed those experiences and you needed those experiences. And but they were, Carmen, we were looking forward to her in the future. We were looking yes. forward to being there when she graduates from BYU. She wanted to go of there. Course. We were looking forward to all these things. Of course. And boom, you know, yeah. within minutes. Yeah. And so. You just, I mentioned, I still struggle with it. I'm, I'm small pieces. You know, I was grateful we were given that opportunity to really experience. I cry a lot more now, particularly when I see people. I used to never cry at funerals. I, I just ache now. It's given me a, a perspective that I've never experienced before. And I'm just grateful for that, <laughs> if yeah. you can say that. But I just wish, I, I, I wish that, I wish I could understand it. Yeah. And that's that's an honest work. Struggle yeah. I have with my father in heaven and in prayer many times. And my wife is a much more faithful woman than me. And she says, you know why? You, you Why do you keep asking? And I just go, because I just, there's guilt, mm -hmm. honestly speaking. And so that's part of the issue with us now as we're working through it. And But I, I tell you this, and I just want to reiterate this, probably the greatest, one of the greatest, one uh, being understanding. Those parents were very understanding and very forgiving and kind. Yes. And they've become great friends and we stay in touch with them from time to time on, you know, through electronic means. And the other thing is award family is so important. It really, truly is. Yeah. It, it, having a community around you that can lift you up in your darkest hour, I think, what would I do if I didn't, Right. If I didn't have people that cared for me, that even sometimes there have been people in our ward that have said, well, you're only talking to me because you're assigned to, you know, right. Ministering. right. Like, but, but I am so grateful for the people that are assigned to watch over me right. and help me through things. I'm so grateful for people that are asked to keep a watch out right. for me and my family and, and, and they were there how, yeah. and they were there. For you, and you're supposed to grieve with each other, and yeah. you're not supposed to get over it fast, Quinn. You're not supposed to be like, well, what's wrong with me? And, right. That's but what it I doesn't. But it doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter. Grief. There's. I don't think there's a timeline on grief. I'm reading, and I'm trying to pull it up right here. Let's see if I can find it. I'm not finding my app. It's Robert Millet's. There's a little pamphlet yeah. about death. Right. And let's see if I, here it is right now. And I just listened to this the other day. It's called Life Beyond Death by Robert right. Millett. Right. And he said, he said that, and he quotes, and I don't want to misquote it, but you can look at, I think it's Boyd K. Packer, but you can go in and, and read it. It's called the chapter, the reality of death. And he said, there are things we can do to hasten our death, such as suicide or doing drugs or, you know, driving drunk and things like that. But there is a time appointed to every man or woman when Heavenly Father calls them home and none of them 
none of us go or are taken before we are supposed to go unless we choose to hasten it. So Annika, I I don't know if that gives you any comfort, but she did nothing to hasten her death. It was natural. It was, and who knows if Heavenly Father, and he said, our mission continues beyond the veil. It's not just in this life. And he said, it, we do leave a wake of tears behind us, which shows that we were loved and how beautiful that we pay tribute to those. Here's the thing that's been difficult for me with all that. I agree with everything you've said, Connie. I know the plan of salvation inside and out. And I know these things take time. Yes. But that doesn't take away the guilt (laughs) or the questions. I think, I don't know. There's just a great deal of guilt with my particular grieving because I, I pride myself in being a caretaker. And then right. To, and you're a father. So, yeah. So to, to so completely fail, if you will, and if I may. Yes. And, and then I'm a seminary teacher. You throw that out on top of it. You should. And, you know, I've known of I should know all of this and I should be able to respond accordingly. But that doesn't take away the guilt that I have. And I'm OK with that. But it's difficult. I wish I've known people who I, I have a colleague who lost his daughter. And, you know, he referred to Job and, and he seemed fine. And I don't know what his grieving process was like, but I'm like, that's not me. I mean, I was bought everywhere I went. Yeah. I, could, the, I couldn't teach my class without thinking she could have been here or this right. could have been different. And the next thing you know, I'm talking about Annika's teaching seminary and bursting into tears. And all my kids right. are like, is he going to be okay? I had a student last year tell me something. She goes, you've, you've come a long ways. I was there when she died and she graduated last year. And she goes, you seem to be doing a lot better. And I'm like, I didn't even know I was doing bad. I was just floundering. Yeah. And, I, and I, you know, and, and it's getting easier, but it just, it's always there. It's always there. And, yeah. and you know what? It probably always will be. And it probably always will be. And John Hilton III has a book called The Founder of Our Peace. And I was I'm, I'm writing all these down, by the way. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. The Founder of Our Peace. And, and in it, he talks about certain trials or struggles, infirmities that we have, things that we go through, death, grieving. And, and he said something that gave me such great comfort. And I struggle with anxiety. And I... I've prayed and fasted and, and, and wait a minute, wait a minute. Somebody who stood before the entire nation. On oh yeah. National television struggles yes. with anxiety. I find oh, that big time. That's a huge confession right there. Yeah. It big time. And I'm sorry you struggle with it. I don't mean to mock it. But no, just like, not at wow. all. No, it was, it was, that was hard and, and huge for me to do. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I've, I keep thinking heavenly father and, and I have faith can take this away. There's a scripture that says, you know, I will make weak things become strong. Become unto you. strong. Yeah. 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 So I'm like, I have faith that heavenly father will take my weakness dealing with anxiety and make it a strength. I just know he will. And, and I always read that scripture to be that, that my weakness is anxiety, but someday it will be, it, it, it he'll make that a strength. And brother Hilton said, sometimes it's taking that away. And sometimes it's knowing that he will walk with you the rest of your days with that. That it's not taking it away, but that he will be there with you through it. And so I I kind of thought same thing. What is wrong with me? I need this to go away. And maybe it's the same thing with your grief. It, It might not ever completely go away, but you'll have someone to be there with you 
through it. And that gave me so much comfort that I don't have to worry about getting rid of it as much as trusting Heavenly Father to be there with me, to help me through it, no matter how long I have to bear that burden, that he'll he'll be yoked to me and that I can give him that and he'll help me through that. And the scripture... I'll make weak things become strong unto you. Sometimes I think I read, we read that wrong. It's not that he's going to make that thing a strength, but that there is strength in our weaknesses mm. and that there is strength. What is a strength that I have? My son is super, same thing, gets anxious and passionate and loud. But the strength side of that is that he is sensitive to the spirit. He notices yeah. people. He's empathetic. There is strength in his emo- in being emotional. There's strength yeah. in feeling such deep love for someone and such care for someone that that you may carry now the grief with that. And so yeah. there's strength to our weakness instead of taking weakness and changing them into something else. I wonder if we can search for the strong things about about our weaknesses. What what is it about our weaknesses that actually make us strong and human and more like I've ultimately more like the savior? Yeah. That's Ether twelve twenty seven. Ether twelve twenty seven. Thank you for quoting that. Make, My scripture yeah. mastery. There comes the seminary teacher. Yeah. Scripture mastery. Thank you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've never looked at it that way. That's a really good point. I appreciate that. I um well I've understood a lot more things since this experience of I'm sure you have and and have, like you said, so much more empathy for other parents that go through something like this and that you can, part of, because Jesus Christ can't be here succoring each of us in person, he helps us do that for each other. And sometimes I think we go through these awful, horrible things so that when others do, we can be that for them. We can help them. Yeah. as the savior would. And it's awful, but it's well, also beautiful that we can do that. I get, I get anxiety now. I never understood that. But as you, you know, because I've been through this, I was very anxious after that. I'd never experienced a panic attack. I, but now I understand because of some of the psychological stuff that happened with me afterwards was yeah. anxiety. I, I always felt like I, you know, anxious and I, yeah. I'd never experienced that before. I also understand post-trauma. i yeah. I had uh, an experience with a young lady I was teaching while teaching. I was prepping in my office. A student comes to my door and it's kind of a panic and says, there's a young lady here that's passed out on the ground. And so I, I rushed to her, you know, as a seminary teacher. I go out in the hallway and there she is lying on the ground. And all this stuff started coming back. I'm sure. Yeah, the great, absolutely. The greatest sound that I heard was her breathing. I was yes. so relieved to hear that. And so I just kind of made sure that she went through a, a small seizure and we called 911. And then to add to the post-trauma for me, all of a sudden, all these people that had been to my house start showing up at the seminary building. And, and, and there's all these same similar faces and, and they're all gathered around this girl on the ground. And um, I went back to my office and, and I, I started, it, it hit me again. And yeah. I just started crying like a baby. And, yeah. and I curled up in a little ball and I was, and uh, Jared Rigby, again, our good sheriff back here in Wasatch County, came in to me and he says, you okay? And I go, no, I'm not. No, nope. I go, I'm all sure these not. things are happening. Yeah. And so now I can understand when people say what, you know, I shared that with my, anyway, I, I, I gained a greater understanding of things that I'd never, you know, never yeah, knew God's before. God's a good teacher. Yeah. And sometimes, right. 
yeah, he's just a great teacher and it's been a journey for us, but I've grown a lot from it. And and next thing I want to attempt is to sing on stage and maybe I can get an understanding <laughs> of that type of anxiety. I, if, you I, want, I, if you want to, if you want to nah. just turn it up a notch, sing <laughs> in front of millions of people and then be uh, judged. And then no. have people tell you what they really think of you. Isn't that a horrible thing to do to a teenager? I think Mr. Good. Simon or whatever that guy's name is, is horrible. It it's was, so it was, but it was, you know, TV. I knew what I, well, I didn't know what I was getting into. I thought I knew what I was getting into. I mean, I voluntarily signed sure. up, signed up to do it. You right. think, you know, you don't really, but it's, <laughs> yeah. It, if you want to, if you want to experience, you know, more panic attacks and things like that. No. And, but I've, I, but I'm so grateful for that too. I learned so much from that too. And all life is learning experiences. And that's the whole point is to learn and grow and, and become better and, and have more empathy so, for others. Let me that's ask you point. this. Are you learning more as a mother or did you learn more as a teenager? What, or is it just different things? Oh, wow. Well, I've taken all my, I, I'm learning definitely more as a mother and I can see I'm learning through my experiences again. Like I, I'm going back yeah. to revisit the teenage Carmen. I'm able to now kind of pick apart. Oh, that's why I felt that way. And, and yeah. Oh, I wish I could tell myself this. And I continue to learn about my life as I get older. So I feel like I learn more every year at the older I get. Yeah. Wouldn't it be but great I'm, to go back with all that knowledge? I know, with all the wisdom and confidence <laughs> and knowledge, it would. I, I think that all the time if I could do it. But then it wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't have been the same. No. But I'm interested to know if you have been photography, you photographing since Annika's death. If you have been creative, yes, that's been a great deal of therapy for me. And I've always, in fact, she used to. I was photographing the football team. And she'd come down. I had a second camera and she'd come down and help me with that from time to time. But no, I've been, I, and this weekend is Swiss days up here in Midway. And you mentioned oh. putting your work before thousands. You said millions. I'm not going to probably have millions, but we expect thousands of people to, to, to come to our little town. I Midway love Swiss, Swiss days. days. I love yeah, Swiss days. Well, but I have a booth there. If you're up there this weekend, come you have a us. booth there. Oh, wonderful. It's, it's the first time I've done it. And I'm terrified because you kind of put your heart and soul into this you know, hobby, and it, it, it's become kind of a side job for me. You put your heart and soul into it, and, and it becomes like this sacred thing to you. It is. And then you're going to display it before, you know, and, and, and then they're going to go, that's okay. I, yeah. I could do better. And nah, like, that was all right. You know, yeah. Yep. I worked so hard to get to that location, to get that sunset, and I'm just kind of going, I could do better. You know? Exactly. And, people are, yep. they're, and it's kind of like, ouch, okay. And and I'm okay with it. I, you know what's beautiful about it? And I'm sure your music is the same way. You get to the point where, it, for me anyway, I'm to the point where, yeah, I care what you think, but the experience behind everything I did to, to make that happen yes. is so much more valuable than what you're thinking right now or your critique. Yes, It was worth every minute. And there's a lot of good experiences behind the preparation for displaying art. I have Absolutely. A, a great appreciation for artists. Well, so anyway, the arts in general, when I, I tell my voice students that singing and dancing and painting, those are talents that you are given purely to give away. Heavenly Father didn't bless you yes. with a beautiful voice for yourself. Absolutely. And he didn't right. bless you with the gift of photography. I mean, it would bless your home to look at all your pictures, but what yes. 
good would that do? It's purely to give away. So it's a talent that you do put your heart and soul into and you, and it's for it's purely to bless other people's lives. It's purely to right. give away. When you sing a song and do a dance and take a picture and then offer it to someone, this is my gift. This is my talent I'm giving to you. You're offering a little piece of your heart to them. This, take care with this <laughs> talent that I'm giving you. Be kind to me. But I have yeah. no doubt that there will be people there that will appreciate it and probably fellow photographers especially and sure. love it. And I would well, love to check it out. Well, yeah, it'd be great to meet you in person. And I, well, I'll, I'll say back to you that uh, what you've done for the church with your American Idol stuff and your albums and all the good singing you've done has really blessed a lot of us. So that's all I was Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> and thank you for taking time to come on the podcast today and for all the good you are doing with seminary, with your photography, with sharing your stories with just being human and opening your heart and sharing a piece of your life. I'm sure there'll be someone out there that can just say me too. And that's so grateful that you opened up and shared a piece of your soul with us today. So thank you, Quinn. Well, I need to probably give you, uh, you know, I don't know what your therapy fee is, but every time I, <laughs> that just, it helps to talk too. So thank you it for does. giving me that opportunity. And, it does. Um, yeah. Thank you very much. You're wonderful. You. It's been nice to meet you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. If you'd like to hear more from Carmen and get brand new full-length talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers like John By the Way, Meg Johnson, and Hank Smith, you can exclusively inside our Turtle House. And when you join today, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode next week.